What's going on, guys? Hey, it is uh, Bobby Littman here. Not Bobby Daytona, just Bobby Littman. Guys, this episode that you're about to hear, it's the summation of hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours of running. That's what this is. What this is, is the summation of a year's worth of work in just one very specific thing. And I know that this is an incredibly long episode, but if you actually are listening to this right now, listen to the whole thing. Because what I'm going to share with you is the process of alchemy. And alchemy is being able to turn any substance in your life into gold. That's exactly what it is that you are going to hear in this. And if you have any interest in basically being able to become supernatural, this is the episode. You know, for years, I spent time trying to figure out why it was that making real and significant and lasting change within, you know, my life was so difficult. And I've thought about this a lot, about why it is really so difficult to make a real and lasting change, like why that is such a difficult thing to actually accomplish. And I've boiled it down to really three main reasons. And I'm sure that there's probably more, but I'll have to listen to this again in the future and think about what it is that I might be missing. So if you think that there's a certain thing that I should be including here, let me know. I'm just going to give you guys my theory that I've been working on over the last, I'd say, 365 days. Um, just because for the last 365 days, I've been thoroughly engaged in trying to make a real and a lasting change in my own life. But talking about these three concepts about why people fail to make real and lasting change in life. I think it boils down to these three things. It's external expectations, it's the internal mindset, and it's the actual work that's required. So with external expectations, I think that this is one of the more difficult things to get over initially. You know, an external expectation is what people categorize you as. So not how you see yourself as, and not what you see yourself as, but these external expectations, and maybe it should be a different word, external realities, uh, external viewpoints, but it's basically how everyone else sees you. And, you know, one of the truest insights that I really think I've come across uh, in this past year is just recognizing that people want to put you in a box. And they want to put you in the simplest, in the easiest box to define because that makes their understanding of the world easy. You know, people don't want to challenge themselves. They want to be able to just say, Bobby is X, Ryan is Y, uh, Michael is Z. And then when they think about you, they just think about that one thing. And so when you're actually trying to make a real and a lasting change in your own life, what you run into is the fact that, you know, you're doing all this work. You're trying to make these changes within yourself. But then other people still see you as the exact same person. They just see you as who you once were versus who you know and who you believe that you can be. 
and you're confronted with this in basically every single relationship that you have. I mean, with your family, I love them to death, man. They just think that you're one person. Um, but they're actually, from my experience, they've been the quickest ones to actually change maybe how it is that they view you. Friends are the one where it's kind of tough. You know, if you have certain friends, they want to keep you in that box that they have designed for you just because it makes it's easy for them to understand. And, you know, kind of with thinking about these external expectations, I'm reminded of the crab in a bucket analogy. And what is the crabs in a bucket analogy? You know, it's not my thought, but what's, what's going on with the crabs in the bucket is that if you have, say, like the 10-gallon pail or the five-gallon pail, and you have, I don't know, 30 crabs in that bucket, all of those crabs are trying to get out of the bucket. They all are. Or maybe just one of those crabs is trying to get out of the bucket. And when they try to get out of the bucket, you know, they're lifting up their claws, their pincers, so that they can climb out. But what happens is all the other crabs in the bucket see them trying to get out, and they pull them back down. They pull them back down. And so you're trying to get out. You're trying to break those expectations. You're trying to break out is that other people see you. But when other people see you, they want to pull you back down. And a lot of the times, they're not doing it on purpose. They're just doing it because that's what makes them feel comfortable. And you changing makes them feel uncomfortable. And people don't want to feel uncomfortable. And so instead of you being able to go up and achieve who it is that you know that you're supposed to be, you know, if you're placing a lot of value on what other people think and say about you, what happens is they, they pull you back down. And it's not really even them. It's you that allows yourself to go back down because it's a lot more difficult to have all these people change their opinion of you. You feel like, than you actually changing yourself. And sometimes like I can just speak for myself of just saying like, oh man, like I feel like such a different person right now. I feel so different. Why don't other people see it? And then you stick with it. You say, you know what? I'm going to keep moving forward. I, I don't care what other people say. And then a, a month passes and another month passes and you're feeling different. You're feeling different. You're feeling changed. You're feeling better. And these people still think the same of you. Except maybe they think just something's kind of up, you know, a little bit up. And then you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And what I've found to be true is that you've got to be consistent with your actions, with your thoughts, with your words. You've got to be consistent in moving in a certain direction. And you are going to have already moved 100 meters. You will have already gone 10 miles by the time someone else and other people's opinions of you have changed by a quarter mile. So you might have already gone 10 miles, you might have changed in a lot of very significant ways, but people are only going to recognize you for you know, a tenth of a mile, a quarter mile of that 10 miles. And you've gotta be willing to accept that. And for a lot of people, they can't. And that's why they fail to make real and lasting change. So that's one of the three. The second of the three, is the internal mindset. The second of the three is this internal mindset. And, you know, what I would call the internal mindset is basically, you know, the self-limiting beliefs that we hold on to, that we're cognizant of, and a lot of times that we're not even cognizant of, 
that are keeping us from actually fulfilling our potential. These are the ideals within ourselves that say, ah, you know what, I've never done this before, so I can't do this. Um, you know, for me, it's like, hey, the things I was working through was, hey, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough looking. I'm not tall enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm not hardworking enough. And I had all these self-limiting beliefs. And let me tell you this. On, I feel like my heart had broken twice. Once I had allowed my heart to be broken um, from a relationship. I allowed for that to happen. And I think the bigger heartbreak behind that relationship and why that was such a tough thing was it's because my heart broke twice. My heart broke the first time because I'd lost my best friend. And my heart broke the second time in that exact same instance because I'd lost myself. And I lived in a state of mind and I've been living in a state of mind um, of just extreme self, self-limiting belief. And what it was that I was feeding myself was, you know, basically causing for me to destroy my own life, to destroy my coffins, to destroy any sort of forward progress that I might have made. And it took years. It really took years. But I was finally able to feel, to heal my broken heart. I was able to heal my twice broken heart. And I was able to do so and truly recognizing that, you know, what's happened in the past, these beliefs that I've held about myself, I don't have to hold on to them anymore. Like, I actually don't have to hold on to them. And I know that that is such an easy thing to say. And I know that we are just bombarded by social media, by TV, by all the messages of people just saying like, hey, you know, you can let it go at any point in time, like self-love, X, Y, Z. But like to actually get to a place where you recognize that you don't have to hold on to it anymore, that you never have to think about it again, that you can actually learn from it. And the lessons that you learn don't have to be tied to, you know, feeling the heartbreak again. You can just take the good and you can leave the bad. And one of the insights that really, I feel like I came across with this was, for most people, we're all clutching so tightly onto the past. Like we are clutching with a death grip onto what's happened in the past. And that's both things that were really great and things that were really painful, things that were really bad. And we're just holding on to it. We're holding on to it. We're holding on to it. And so, you know, we're living our day to day, but we're pulling all that BS, all that crap from yesterday, from last week, from last year, from five years ago. Dude, I still know people that are talking about things that happened to them over a decade ago. They're still talking about them today. Hey, I've also been that person. It's okay. Like, it, it's okay. But you got to recognize, like, you only have so much mental energy. You only have so much mental bandwidth. And if I have, say, like, you know, 0 to 100. 100 is like, level 100 is like, that's how much bandwidth I have. And you have 100 throughout the day. And so, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about work. There goes, you know, five of your mental exercise points uh, away from that total 100. So now you're at 95. Okay, then you're going to be thinking about, you know, maybe something that happened or something that's going to be coming up later on the day 
with the relationship or with work. Okay, so there's 15 pieces. So you're planning for the day. So now you're down to 80 pieces. Okay, now you're going to be thinking about your three different meals throughout the deal or three different meals throughout the deal or five meals. Okay, so there goes another 15 points. So now we're at 65 mental energy points remaining. What I'm ultimately trying to illustrate is that we only have so much mental bandwidth. And, you know, if I'm thinking about something that happened 10 years ago, five years ago, you know, that's going to take up five bits. That's going to pull up one bit, two bits, three bits, 10 bits, 20 bits of my mental bandwidth throughout the day. And what I recognize for myself and what I know is so true for so many people about why they can't actually make real and lasting change is their 100 mental bits of energy, they're giving away half of that. They're giving away a quarter of that. They're just giving it away on things that have already happened that don't help them anymore. You know, the key to it is being able to go from 100 to 1,000. Um, I haven't quite cracked the code to that yet, but I can just say that you know, if you're spending your time and your mental energies and thoughts that do not expand your horizons, meaning your physical strengths, your mental strengths, your career strengths, your relational aptitudes, if it's not multiplying, then it's dividing or it's subtracting. And a lot of times what we're holding on to are the things that divide and subtract. And again, I feel like I was really able to heal my twice broken heart by just letting it go, by just saying, you know, past, I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry that you made mistakes. I'm sorry that other people you feel like might have wronged you. I'm sorry that you let go of who you should have been. I'm sorry, but that's okay. You know, I'm going to learn the lessons from each one of those failures, from each one of those mistakes, and I'm going to make sure that I don't do it again because that is the mark of a learned man. That is the mark of someone who is progressing. It's that they're not making that same mistake over and over and over again. You know, what I found out is that I can make that same mistake once. Okay, there it is. The mistake was made once. And then I recognized that I made the mistake, okay? And then probably what's going to happen for me again, because I'm dumb, <laughs> because I can be foolish, is I'm going to make that mistake a second time. And that second time I make that mistake, I will have already noted before then, dude, you cannot make this mistake again, and here's why. And here's what's going to happen. I might make that mistake again a third time. And that third time, if I make that mistake, it is going to drive me up a wall and I'm going to be obsessed with not falling into that same trap again. And then ultimately, the more I work on that skill set of recognizing mistakes and then not repeating them, the better I'm going to get at putting myself in position to accelerate, meaning I'm going to be able to multiply and add you know, my mental energies versus doing all the subtracting and dividing BS. That's what I'm after. And again, I think one of the reasons why people struggle so much to make real lasting change is that they're holding on to things that have happened in the past. They're holding on to the self-limiting beliefs versus just letting them go. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Just let it go. Like, let it go. You've got to let it go. If you keep holding on to it, you're never going to become who you're supposed to be. And what's going to be worse? I mean, honestly, what is going to be worse? You looking back at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of your life, thinking, oh man, that thing that freaking happened when I was 15 years old, 20 years old, 
that thing should have never happened. Or, you know, are you actually just going to be able to say, fuck, man, those things did happen. But none of those things defined who I was. In fact, I went out there and I carved my own path and I did something I'm genuinely proud of. And I feel like I achieved so much more of my potential because I'm not worried about, and I wasn't holding on to the things that didn't bring me life. I mean, how much worse would your life be if you just look back and think back of your entire life as you're looking backwards, holding on to just BS, versus if you're always looking not forward, but on today, and focusing about how I can actually get the most out of the next moment that's gonna be coming up. I think that internal mindset shift of not just recognizing that we need to let go of the past, but actually letting go is difficult. Because for whatever reason, we are deeply attracted to what's happened in the past. And something that is attractive, although not for the right reasons, is pain. Pain is something that's visceral. Pain is something that we can clear, feel clearly. And if we can clearly feel something and it hurt, you know, that feeling is something that can stick with us. And the only recommendation I have is that we don't ignore the pain. We look at the pain. We embrace the pain. We learn from the pain. And we let it go. Now, the third and the final thing, and this is going to be the most important one. In fact, I actually think that they're all probably evenly weighted. But the third thing that boils down to as to why I think people don't make real and lasting change is the actual work that's required. The actual work that's required to make real and lasting change, it's exponential. If you want to make an actual change in your life, the amount of work that you've got to put in is exponential. What do I mean by that? You know, making a real change in your life, be it in your physical health, your mental health, within your career, within your relationships, you know, it, it requires you to cultivate energy. It requires you to cultivate effort. And what you're doing with this cultivated energy and cultivated effort is you're figuring out, A, what is not going right right now? What isn't working? Then you're figuring out, B, what is it that I could be doing to potentially figure out and remedy these uh, failure areas, these mistake areas, these things that are not working? What are the actual solutions? And then C, we're also thinking about what's working, what's going well for me, and how can I do more of that? And when I talk about the work required is exponential, I mean it. Because the more that we cultivate this energy and our focus and our intentions, it's going to take us to a higher and a higher level within our relationships, within our physical and mental health, within our career. But we're going to actually be faced with a lot of the same challenges just at a higher level. And so the whole goal here is that we are subtly leveling up by doing less of what is detracting from our growth and success and doing more of what is going to multiply our success and growth. You know, I think I see all the time people are thinking that it's going to be a 30-day fix, you know, the 30-day diet or the 14-day exercise regimen. Let me tell you this. This past year, I had a chance to complete 75 hard. And 75 hard is one of the most grueling, it's not even, 
what, how would I even describe 75 hard? It is one of the most grueling discipline behaviors, lifestyles I've ever done and that I've ever come across. And for me to complete 75 hard, which was 75 straight days of an incredibly strict diet, an incredibly strict workout regimen, an incredibly strict uh, mental program, basically living like a monk, living aesthetically. And I kept failing. I kept failing. I kept failing. And so my 75 hard was basically took course over 180 days. It took me 180 days to get 75 perfect days. 180 days to get 75 perfect days. Now, if you've done the math, that means that out of those 180 days, 50% of the time, I wasn't where I needed to be. And that 50% of the time actually boiled down to I failed, I don't know, five or six times, four or five, six, seven times throughout 75 hard. And those four, five, six, seven times that I failed took me back down to day one. And then at the end of 75 hard, what happens? I mean, after I've done one of the most grueling challenges ever put together, who did I become? <laughs> Let me tell you this. I was the exact same person I was before. I was the exact same person. A 30-day diet, a 30-day plan, it doesn't change anything. A 75-day plan, it doesn't change anything. The goal of 75 hard is actually to be able to figure out what your skill set is, but more importantly, 75 hard teaches you how to take an existing skill and improve upon it. You know, you're going to take that one skill from, you know, a C level to a C plus level, to a C plus plus level, to a B minus minus level, to a B minus level. That's what 75 hard does. And it does that for me for, you know, probably 50 different skills that I was able to really work on. And so in that sense, I can say that, you know, 75 hard did change my life. But I was dedicated that to that over the course of 180 days. That is half a year. That's six months. And at the end of six months, I felt 1% different. I felt like I was a 1% better person at the end of 180 days, of the hardest 180 days of my life. What I'm saying here is that to make a real and a lasting change in your life, You've got to be willing to sacrifice more than you've ever sacrificed. You've got to be willing to be more disciplined than you've ever been. You've got to be willing to go further than you've ever been. You've got to get to a place where everyone around you is telling you to quit. But you keep going. And you keep going. And you keep going. Going. Because you're focused on achieving your goal. And my goal has always been to become more virtuous. To become more disciplined in my skills. That's what I've been after. That's why I feel like I've been able to stick with it because I wasn't determining my success on you know, a physical appearance or a material growth or the growth of followers or anything outside of myself. My success in any sort of lasting success, and by the way, I haven't even started, but any sort of lasting success has to come from a deeply rooted principle virtue from within. If your deep, lasting, meaningful change is going to be predicated on externalities, once more, I can promise you that you're going to fail. You know, we're at that time of the year where, you know, it's December 30th. 
we're closing in on the new year. And I think most people for 2020, they can't wait to have it over. And also, let me say this as a quick caveat. 2020 has been the absolute greatest year of my life. And I honestly get upset when people say this is the worst year ever. Because it's like, well, maybe it was the worst year ever for you. But I was not going to let an external circumstance dictate what was happening inside of myself. I wasn't going to let it. And so, you know, I'm supposed to leave these podcasts, these episodes with something for you to do, for something for you to actually think about and implement in your own life. That's, that's what I once read in a book called How to Speak Like Churchill, How to Stand Like Lincoln. You're supposed to leave the audience with something actionable. We're at the time of the New Year's again. And this is the time of the year when everyone makes grandiose promises to themselves. And for the most part, it never comes to pass. Let me give you the same advice I gave to myself about this time last year. And I cannot be more grateful that I actually did it. Because, let me tell you this, I was able to run, I don't know, a multi-digit number of marathons and ultra-marathons in a six-month span. Leading up to that, I ran a 600-mile month in a singular month of April, I want to say, um, Basically, I was able to challenge every single preconception I've ever had about myself and flip it on its head. And in doing such, I became so much more powerful, so much more creative, so much more effective in my business, in growing a business, in my personal relationships, and again, in my health, and for me, my mental health. So how do you do it? How do you actually make a real and lasting change what is my real recommendation for you? Here's a tool. The tool is exercise. It doesn't matter what the exercise is. It can be yoga. It can be stretching. It can be cycling. It can be swimming. It can be weightlifting. It can be running. Um, it could be anything. It could be climbing. It doesn't matter. As long as it's a physical activity that, you know, it's it causes for you to be uncomfortable. It causes for your heart rate to increase and it's a skill and it's an exercise which you can improve upon. It's something that you can actually progress in over the course of a year. That's what the rule is for this exercise. You've got to be able to actually go from you know a certain level of competence on day zero and at the end of 365 days have gotten to such a place with within that exercise that your understanding of it, your physical growth, your mental growth has compounded a hundredfold, tenfold. Who cares about the verbiage here? It's just got to be something that you can grow. And here it is. On the days that you are mentally tired, you go do it. On the days that you are physically exhausted, you go do the exercise. On the days where, you know, there's a big football game, it's the Super Bowl, or you have friends coming in town, someone that you haven't seen in a long time, you go do it. You know, on the days it's 110 degrees outside, the rain, the snow, you've heard me talk about the elements, you go do it. The habit that I was working on throughout 2020 that helped for me to, I hope, make real and lasting change within my life and that I'm going to continue working on every single day, it was this. The habit I was working on was being in the habit 
of doing the work, doing the exercise, regardless of the circumstance. Regardless of the circumstance, you do the exercise. That, I believe, is the key to a real and a lasting change. And to add one more idea, because I, I missed this one, and I'm bummed that I hadn't included it, but, you know, years ago, one of the guys that completely changed my life, his name was Pat McGrath, a.k.a. Blue Flames, a.k.a. Muffin, a.k.a. Bloodbath McGrath, whatever you want to call him. I mean, truly one of the most inspirational people I've ever met, just because of how authentically this person lives and how they could just, how Pat spoke to me on a soul level. And Pat, he gave to me a book called The Alchemist. And what alchemy is, is being able to turn once, is being able to basically turn one substance, any sub substance, into gold. That's what the practice of alchemy is. It would be like turning a jug of water into a solid gold chalice. That's what you would be doing with alchemy. And that's the exact thing that I'm talking about with getting in the habit of doing the work. You will, in essence, uncover an internal alchemy. You know, when I feel like I knew that my life and that my mind had really changed was somewhere in between my 10th and my 12th marathon. And I'm out there and I'm on the streets and I'm going for this marathon and I'm trying to set a new record. And check it out. You know, I'm looking up this street and I'm like 13 or 12 or 11 miles into this thing and I know that I can hit my goal if I just keep it up. And I look up the street and the thing about this street is that it's basically straight up. I'd say it's probably like, not straight up, but it's like a 30, 40 degree angle. So it's a pretty strong rise. And the street itself is spanning a little over nine blocks. So about a mile. So imagine running uphill for about a mile. And at the same time, it's about 30, 40 degrees outside. So it's a pretty cold day out. So much so that, you know, you're wearing gloves, you're wearing two layers, three layers, so that you can keep your body heat on you. And at this point, it's probably 9, 10 o'clock at night as well. And I look at this hill. I look at this mountain. I look at this run that I know is going to be brutal. And for me to be able to stay on track and achieve my goal, I've got to be able to stay the course. I've got to be able to stay at that same pace. And before I go up this hill, I look up it. And I'm running up it. And the lead up to it's probably 400 meters, just dead flat. And I look at this steep, steep street. And my first thought is, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. But as soon as I have that thought, this next thought just jumps into my mind. And I get this real small smile on my face, this real meek smile. And I go a few more steps and I'm thinking about this thought. And that smile, it gets a little bit bigger. And then I think about that thought a little bit more. And that smile gets even bigger. And then I'm at the base of the mountain. And that smile has just turned into this exuberant laughter. And I'm just laughing because I know what I'm about to do. I know what it is that I'm about to do. And what I'm about to do over the course of this next mile, you know, while it's dark outside, 30, 40 degrees, massive incline, no one's out here holding my hand. 
I'm trying to set a new personal record in my own marathon that no one else is even running, I know that I'm going to sprint up this street. I'm going to sprint up the whole thing. And that's exactly what I do. And what I recognized then is, you know, a few years prior to that, I was teaching algebra in college. And what I really enjoyed about teaching algebra is that if you follow a logical progression, a logical thought process, you're going to derive the outcome. And so what I recognized with that run is that you have inputs and you have outputs. And algebra is all about inputs leading to an output. And what I'm talking about here with alchemy is being able to take inputs, the inputs that night. You know, it's 30, 40 degrees outside. I am running a race that no one else is running. I'm trying to set a brand new record that I've never set before. I'm hungry, I'm tired, but also I'm excited. And also I'm sore and I'm hurting. And I know that I got a long way to go. Those were the inputs. And I was able to take all of these inputs that most people would quit at. Most people would stop. They wouldn't continue forward. They would not proceed. And I was able to turn that into my outcome. Inputs, outputs. And my output was a better race than I'd ever run before. And I can take the race and throw it out. You know, I talk about running, but that's not what I'm after. I'm after being able to take all the BS. I'm talking about being able to take all the crap. I'm also talking about being able to take all these beautiful things and turn that into exactly what it is that you have in mind. I'm taking nothing and I'm turning it into something. And not just something, I'm turning it into something beautiful, something rare, something pure, something which brings me joy, something which allows for me to do something that frees me, makes me feel like I'm flying. It releases me from stress, from heartache, from pain, even if those are a part of the run. And that's what alchemy is. What alchemy is, is the process of being able to take inputs and turn them into an output. If you can commit 365 days of the year to doing just this one thing, I can promise, I don't know what it is for you, but I can promise that what it is that I'm talking about of alchemy within my own life, of being able to turn any input into any output, you can do the same. I promise.